Rachel, we're here. We are. It's happening. It took <laughs> a little bit. here with Rachel Luba, and we have a podcast. It's happening. Cheers. Cheers we're to that. We're in, in quarantine along with the rest of the world. We are. We are trying to survive without sports. Yeah, and it's and it's been interesting, but I think that's what's cool. That's why we're here, right? I feel like you and I have such a unique platform that we're able to talk about all the things and we want to have our viewers on this fun journey with us um, by participating in a game. Oh, and we, yes. are drink, we are very much drinking wine. Rachel, why don't you tell the beautiful people what our wine word of the day is? Our wine word of the day is players. We are starting off strong here. So what that means is every time one of us says the word players in our conversation that we have to, we have to drink. So we're going to be hammered within what five minutes i'm gonna say seven minutes because we're <laughs> ladies ah yes we're not mature <laughs> we're classy ladies rachel yeah you're giving me way too much credit here but and i feel like the reason why we wanted to do that is because we want you guys to participate with us and yes. make sure you know i hope you guys are following both of us on twitter we're, i'm very active on twitter as you know rachel's more active on instagram because she's like the better looking one which is fine but like but she <laughs> but jess is the funnier one so that her is platform true. is we, twitter so we complement yes. each other perfectly very much so i have no personality and jess has all the personality and then rachel has everything else so it's perfect <laughs> But you know what? That's that's the first thing I wanted to get into. So you messaged me the other day. You were you're pretty like you were pretty heated oh. and you, you I feel like I'm usually the target of some like bullshit as far as mm. mentions go and all this all these other things. But the combination of a YouTube comments and you're a very beautiful woman. You do post things that I will not post not just because I wouldn't but I don't have a body like you. For me, if I were to wear things, it would look like a cheeseburger stuffed into a keyhole. But you you got some really th crappy comments, and you immediately said, let's talk about this in the podcast. So I'm curious, what did this person say, and what were your reactions to it? So I, first of all, let me just preface this by saying, when I posted that, it was not related at all to my job um, mm -hmm. as a baseball agent. Um, it, I didn't talk about it in my caption. It was just a picture of me from hiking in the woods, um, wearing a leotard basically, um, and boots. And I, growing up, I was a gymnast my entire life for like 20 years. So I literally am used to being in a leotard. I would go, I remember I would go into the grocery store after practice at like 1030 at night and I would be wearing a leotard and like Crocs, which is mm -hmm. absurd now that I think about it, but I, I was so comfortable wearing that yeah. and I grew up in that. So anyways, I posted this picture. I figured like, eh, it's risky. It's risque, I guess. Um, and, but I wanted to make a point, like I want my Instagram to be able to show off my you know, my body, I work hard, I work out, I've been an athlete my whole life, like, I want to be able to, if I'm proud of my body, what's wrong with being proud of your body, right? Amen, sister, amen. So, I posted it, and some, some burner account comments on it, honestly, it was probably, like, an agent, another agent who has a burner account, I'm guessing, mm -hmm. but he was, like, basically said something to the effect of, uh, you know, do you think posting things like this will help give you any credibility as an agent? And when I saw the comment, it pissed me off because like the, my whole issue, and, and I guess I knew this was going to come up. I wasn't sure if someone was going to voice it or not, but they did, <laughs> is that when I post something and it's completely unrelated to my job, why when I post it, immediately a guy's first thought is, oh, and maybe a girl too, I don't know, is, yeah. oh, this, like, they're going to start questioning my ability and my intelligence as a, as a professional and being yeah. able to do my job because of how I dressed in something completely unrelated. Now, I still don't think they should do it regardless, but I guess if I walked into a meeting and a negotiation and I was wearing that, maybe, yeah. okay, I, I get where you would you know, have some cause for concern or you would question right. it. 
But the fact that anything a female does, I feel like, that shows her femininity and her body or any of that outside of her job, immediately people question her ability to do her job. Whereas like if an agent, I know a male agent wearing a bathing suit on the beach and he might be shredded with ass right. and showing it off, who's going to comment on that and be like, nobody oh. would. Right. Like, look at him showing off his body. I bet you, you know, like, is that going to help him earn credibility as an agent? Like, nobody would. But it's because I'm a female that what I do outside, you know, how I dress or whatever. And again, and not related to my job at all is being, I, my ability to do my job is being questioned. And that's what's kind of cool about the situation. Not the coolness, but I think it paints a good picture of We've talked about this before. We had an IG live last week and it was about no guy that I've ever worked with has to think, how are they going to dress when they're going to work? And exactly. for me, if I'm just, if I'm just going to work and I'm working on the desk, I'm wearing yoga pants, sweatshirt, I'm good. But I dry, I like to dress cute. If I have to go on TV or do be in the locker room, like you want to make sure that you're put together. And I love dressing cute. If that sometimes looks a little sexy, that's not my intention. It's just... I feel, I feel confident. And when I'm at my best, I'm probably looking good too. And so I don't feel like men have to deal with that. This is not an anti-men No, no, no. But they, but they don't have to deal with it. They do not. It, it, I, it's like, it's something we have to think about. Now, like granted, when I posted that picture, I guess I was trying to elicit maybe it's like some sort of response because I want to speak out about that because I know it's something that is, that, that women have to deal with. Yeah. But like, it's something that we always, every day, I mean, when I go to winter meetings for baseball or anything I do professionally, I always have to think like, how do I, I have to make sure that what I'm wearing is, you know, obviously professional, but then is this going to come across as, you know, really, you know, like scandalous or I I don't want it to be too sexy because again, I'm walking into a room with all men. So it's like the fact that I have to think about that and is this going to be perceived a certain way when, again, it might not be my intention at all, but it's like initially, I mean, when I was like, when I first started out, I was scared to even wear like a professional like pantsuit with a skirt. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because that's sex, like that's too sexy or whatever. It's not, you know like masculine enough. And if I put on makeup, I was afraid like, Oh, I'm, too oh, I'm the same way. And you know me, I love me some makeup girl. Yeah. I, I haven't been able to get my eyelashes done, do the best I can. These are fake, but like extra fake, you know, I like go and get them done. But and you're killing it. I'm trying, I'm trying, trying to deal with it and that's okay. Um, but, and it was just unique because, you know, we did have a couple of women who do work in, in the sports world that were watching our IG live, IG live. And they're like, they understand that because we have to take the extra step like, oh, is this, is this lipstick too much? Is it, is it not? Is it what have you and all that? So it's kind of interesting from that. And, you know, I know you got a YouTube comment, which was more, that was pretty vulgar. And we're going to very go into the kitchen and make a sandwich kind of fucking comment, which I, which are stupid. Those are like trolls trying to get your attention. So I I think a segment that we're going to, we're going to start doing on this podcast is we're going to go through and read either YouTube comments or DMs. And we're going to give everybody a chance to see the kind of shit that we deal with and that people will see. And I feel like YouTube is the worst because YouTube is so, is, is more popular than pretty much most of like the digital content, if you will, like that yeah. kind of platform. And it's so available and that's what the, the trolls want is a reaction. So they're going to see it and they're going to get their little thumbs up or thumbs down type of deal. But I can tell you what, as, as many years as I've been, you know, I've, in the public eye, YouTube comments have been far the worst. And I had my own YouTube show at MLB.com cut four and they were awful. And Y'all see the shit that I get on Twitter, but YouTube wasn't as bad. So we can at least show them that, but it's true. They want the reaction. I was thinking about that earlier when I was showering. I'm like, oh my gosh, YouTube guys love that attention. But yeah, we were, I have a bunch of DMs saved. Oh yeah. I'm starting to like to record or screenshot all of my absurd comments and DMs. And we're going to, we're going to make that a consistent theme. And I think in our uh, podcast where we'll give you guys a little glimpse of, um, 
just a couple little gems of the week. And then we you get. can participate in too, because I know some of them are going to like be ridiculous just to get on the pod, but yeah. also you kind of get that. Um, a question I had for you, just because I, I know, I don't know that many women that I can be like, hey, what do you geek out with, with baseball? And you easily earlier, you gave me your answer and I was like, okay, cool. Like we're both nerds in this yeah. aspect. So I want to know what you geek out about when it comes to just MLB, the game of baseball, all of it. So for me, it's salary arbitration. Um, that is, oh man, when you start to get around like the end of September and I can start looking at the stats and figuring out in the market for salary arb players, like mm -hmm. where go and which players are going to like affect other players significantly and just the game of that and then where do I think teams are going to file their numbers like there's the whole game theory that goes behind you know that that whole process um I geek out with that I get so excited I get excited when a, I mean as not that I want a player to have kind of an because a lot of times if you have an interesting like platform season, which is the season prior to your right to that year, um, it sometimes something maybe didn't go right or you trended down or whatever it is, but it's like it's an outlier. Yeah. But I get kind of excited when I see cases like that because I'm like, oh, this is gonna be really interesting how to argue this and how yeah. are we gonna create this argument? Even this year, right now with the quarantine, right? How are we gonna figure out how to compare these players if we have a partial season to the past players because that's how we have to determine their salary so like for me that's what I get most excited about and just creating you know a, some sort of argument with stats to get a whatever salary I want right so, and one of my favorite baseball stories I ever heard was actually about Tim Lincecum and Trevor Bauer is your client we actually have him as a guest on our pod do. and I'm really excited about that we're gonna break but them on a little yeah, we're going to bring him on in a little. Tim Lincecum, you want to talk about like dropping, I don't even know what the term is, but he walked in like- to, Oh my God, it's, the, it's the yeah, best. Toward, toward the end of his career, walks into a room of lawyers and he doesn't say shit. He doesn't say anything. He walks in, brings his Cy Youngs and I think maybe- there's he, has all two, he has two Cy Youngs. He just carries him in, drops him in. Mine as well has been like, his appendage just dropping out. He doesn't say shit. Walks back out. Homeboy, you best believe won his arbitration case. Well, they so well they settled that one. So they said because because though I think half is he had the balls to walk in with his. I mean, you're, he's going there into this room and he has to argue that his value is this this number and the team is yeah. going to say no 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 you weren't that good you're not you're not worth that you only get paid this what do you do when the player walks in with two Cy Young trophies and just puts yeah. them down how many other players have done that and then now you have a panel that's going to sit there and have to listen to the other to the team tell this player you're not that good compared to past guys you should yeah. get this salary when his two Cy Youngs are sitting right there so they settle okay. they're like mm, all right Give him whatever he wants at yeah. that point. And it was really cool because the thing that I feel like about Tim Lincecum and Lindsay Adler wrote about, she's from The Athletic. He's one of the players that, oh, actually, I, I totally did that on purpose. Oh, players. I said players. players. Cheers. And uh, he's one of the guys we could actually relate to just on a human level. And he was my first big league interview. He was trying to, you know, make his comeback when I was covering the Reno Aces as much as I did. And you want to talk about one of the coolest guys you can just walk up to, ask anything, signed every autograph from then on. And then of course now I'm covering NBC sports in the Bay area. You even think Tim Lincecum and people are like, Oh my God, let's talk about that. So he's just a guy like the coolest well, dude ever. So fun fact, uh, the guests that we're about to have on Trevor Bauer, his idol and like role model uh, when he was in college and the pitcher that he tried to model himself after was Tim Lincecum. He, mm -hmm. I mean, he was, his goal, and when we can ask him about that, was he wanted to, you know, be just like Tim Lincecum. Mm -hmm. And I think that's... I to ask him about that. That's really cool. I, I mean, I feel like Trevor Bauer is the new Tim Lincecum. A little more outspoken, but more, but definitely Tim Lincecum. -ish. Yes, he, yes, I would say much more outspoken and you know, he's definitely, um, 
I think a lot of a lot of people had mixed feelings at first pretty much about everything he does but especially with media stuff and how outspoken he was but I think it's really interesting to see in the last even six months how many people are kind of grateful for what he's doing um you know with giving players a voice because I think that's something that I don't think players really have ever had you know? Well, and I, you know, even coming from a media perspective, it was always awkward. And I've talked to you about this. Like I, I really feel bad for the guys most of the time. Just like I, you know, for, for me, I love media. I love social media. I think it's, I think digital is the new thing. You know, when I first got in the industry, everything, everything was like, oh, she wants to be on TV. Like, that's cool. Sure. But like social media was so cool to me because there's so many different ways you can do it. You could do the television route. You could do video, but I loved writing and I loved reporting. And my biggest worry was I wasn't doing the guys a good justice, like making sure the message was getting to them correctly and and with him the thing that I liked about him I I like Trevor as a pitcher but I love him as a media guy and I think that's because him and I love to like poke at things like try to like push people up the, the next level which is I've always been kind of the black sheep of not just my family or my friends but of the baseball media world and he's doing it I'm like interesting he's that of of players Exactly. And Drink. he's not scared to say, oh shit. Yeah, you're right. Cheers. And so it's, that's, what's interesting with that. And like I said, like, and I, and I think he's really brilliant in that. And you know, he had, you see all the guys that came out to when he wanted to talk about media and digital and stuff like that. It, it's people are paying attention. And I feel like, and he went off, uh, not really go off, but he quote tweeted MLB recently. And I was like, okay. So that's what we need to, we're going to have to talk to him about that because, yeah, I think that was an interesting, interesting take from him. I know we, we teased him up and I'm actually really excited. So we do have Trevor Bauer here. So he's going to join the call. All right, everybody. So we have Trevor Bauer here, um, the Cincinnati Reds, an all-star pitcher and uh, my client, actually. Former. Former client? Former all-star pitcher. You're oh. always an all-star, Trevor. It's <laughs> gonna say like the girls who wear like the bride, the bride robes, and she's like, "I'm always a bride." It's like, calm the fuck down. Like you were bride once. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel well, about being an all-star. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Well, you're well, always gonna be my client. Always, yeah. Always you're gonna be. So we're excited that you're here because for a multitude of reasons. But I didn't know that Tim Lincecum was your like your boy. I had no idea. I don't know that he's my boy. I wouldn't consider us boys. But when I was growing up, I watched him a ton. So I have like just archives of Tim Lincecum video in my head that I can just replay at any time. Um, you wanted yeah. to be so a pitcher I, like him, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. I wanted to be exactly like Tim Lincecum. He was so weird when he pitched. Like, what about him, like, were you like, I wish I could do that? Oh, because I was undersized relative to the vast majority of pitchers. I was, like, six feet tall. Most pitchers are pretty tall. I was a little bit shorter than most, and I was kind of skinny. Rachel knew me in college. She can can attest to that. (laughs) I did. He was uh, (laughs) – he actually had abs back then, I think. He claims – uh, yeah, I did for a hot second because I was only 165 pounds. <laughs> so <laughs> just didn't carry any extra fat. Uh, but yeah, he was and he was small and, and skinny, but he threw super hard and struck everybody out. The first like three or four years of Tim Lincecum were the most electric thing that did anyone you beat, had ever seen. So did did you beat his college strikeout record? Or you were trying to so got that him, was the goal. I, yeah, that was the goal to get his career record. I got his single season record by one, which isn't a, it's not a, I think it actually is a single season Pac-12 record. Yeah. Pac-10 at the time, but it's not overall NCAA single season record. But uh, I came up, I think, 31 short of his overall uh, career strikeouts in college. My freshman year only had 92, so I really, really let myself down there. Yeah, that's embarrassing, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we were talking, so we were talking about Tim wants to come. And the reason why I love, he's my first big league interview I've ever done. And he was amazing. Oh, no way. Yeah, he was. Actually, when he was um, in uh, Reno, when I was covering the Reno Aces, which is a full circle for mm. this moment. Um, but I thought that was cool. And I, I want to kind of say he's, you in a way become the Tim Lincecum of nowadays, because I feel Tim is the player we can all relate to. And I feel like you're the same way and you're very outspoken. You're talking about, you know, how important media is to baseball. So I'm curious why you feel it's not only important to inform people about, about what's going on with the quarantine, but just to be a spokesperson for MLB in a way. Yeah, I try to, first and foremost, I try to be authentic to myself, say what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling, but I try to make my opinions well thought out so I can present um, not an argument per se, but just a viewpoint that is kind of well-rounded. Um, and so as long as I view what I'm doing as accomplishing both of those tasks, I have no problem speaking out. And it just so happens that people uh, tend to listen, I guess, at some point. Um, but I, I don't do it necessarily to try to be everyone's favorite or to try to be a leader per se or anything like that. I just, th this is how I feel and I feel like I should be able to express myself. So I do. And then you kind of have, happens after that happens. You kind of have become, I would say a leader for a lot of, a lot of players, a lot of players too, that I think don't feel that they are in a position where they can voice their opinion yet. I think that's true. I think the culture of baseball has kind of made it that way. Uh, you're, every time you go to say something, you're slapped on the wrist by a veteran guy or by the media director or by, you know, Just the, media. the reporters or <laughs> yeah. in general, yeah. Um, and so you learn very quickly when you come up to the big leagues, don't have a personality. And really it starts in, you know, the second you step into pro ball. You're taught how to say something to the reporter without saying anything of substance at all. Uh, and I think that has to change um, for baseball to flourish and connect with the younger generation of fans. But most players can't do that because if they do create problems, they're scared that they'll get sent back down or they right. won't get called up or they may get, you know, uh, DFA'd or they, you know, whatever it is. And then by the time that players get to a position in the league where they have some standing on the field and they're not as worried about their jobs, the personality has been beat out of them for so long that they just, like, okay, I don't need to deal with the media and I'll just go live my life and do my own thing. And then a lot of the biggest personalities in the game that I see on a day-to-day -day basis in the clubhouse, no one has any clue that they're yeah. the way they are. So, so I'm curious, I mean, because we have, Trevor, you've kind of created your own more or less media company. And we have Jess here, who is one of the media. And I mean, is there a way to for both to kind of exist and for players to feel like they can open up to media. But, you know, obviously at the same time, I think what you, you know, what you're doing with momentum is fantastic. Um, you know, giving players just a direct. Yeah. yeah I was going to, I was going to share a story about my first interview with Tim Lindsay, but uh, <laughs> since Jess is part of the media, I can't share that. Uh, oh, so it's I don't that, that kind of story. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh i get it you don't you um, have to say no more i already i automatically know it's a damn good story so that's yeah. <laughs> it's, it's totally pretty good. funny not not how i thought my first meeting with tim linscombe would go but uh anyway yeah i think there's a way that um that they can coexist but the problem is the incentives and so the incentives for media is to get uh viewers to get readers to get eyeballs on the content and to then make money for that media platform um, the incentive for players is to then not speak to that media platform because they're going to get misquoted or they're going to have things taken out of context. They're going to have the juiciest part of their interview be the only thing that's played over and over and over. And then Stephen A. Smith is going to rant on why, you know, the player is stupid or, you know, the, uh, the local media is going to write an article about why the player is the worst person or the best person or whatever they want the player to be. Right. And so that, the traditional media has held the keys to player branding uh, and players then don't trust. Oh, am I saying a lot of uh, drinking words? <laughs> <laughs> How long do oh, we no, get I, before I you think? <laughs> oh my God. 
This is a lot. Trevor Bauer is going to get us wasted. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I need another bottle uh, coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, continue, please. Yeah. <laughs> We're good over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, the incentives aren't aligned. Uh, the media is interested in getting views, and the players are interested in just having their full statement uh, out there or not yeah. the, the players haven't been taught how to brand themselves in the first place. And so they don't have an objective when they're talking to the media. They're just, they view it as an annoyance. So as soon as you merge those incentives and you have uh, a media company that's interested in a, a juicy soundbite that can stay the same. But if players sit there and say, okay, I can give a juicy soundbite about something that I'm interested in that's brand positive then you can kind of merge the two. Yeah. What I'm trying to do with momentum is give an outlet for people to talk authentically and to share the things that they're actually interested in and do it in a way that fans know to come to that media platform for that authenticity instead of just sensationalism. But and I think that's really where it needs to go. Is I agree. I mean, I'm constantly getting in trouble for what I post on social media if it makes you feel any better constantly <laughs> but is there a They're way strong. yeah try is, is there a way for media members like jess to and but i think jess has done a, a good job at this for you know like I, i'm pretty sure a lot of guys trust you and i know trevor you have a, a couple media members that you trust and you're willing to talk to and open up to but how do you create that relationship or i mean do you go into it thinking or you know giving them the benefit of the doubt trevor and then if they screw you you're that's it or you know i, I tend to on, a, on an individual basis i tend to give media members the benefit of the doubt first uh, but i don't trust the media as a whole so I'm very guarded in what I will say. I'll say way more in a momentum video because I know I have final approval of it. So nothing right. will actually get posted unless I have approval of it. I won't, I won't speak authentically or unguardedly in front of a general media member that I don't have a history with. So it takes a while to build up that trust. I think the longer form content uh, and not clipping out certain quotes for an article or for a 20 second uh, social media cut or something, but giving players the chance to speak and explain their viewpoints, the longer form stuff, then I think that's an easy way to, uh, to get players to trust you because it's, you know, it, it's just them talking. You're not trying to ask gotcha questions. And so if they say something that is taken wrong, it's like, well, that is what you said. So you can't be mad yeah. at the media. Like you said it. Yeah. And then also just having the players back too. So, you know, I've had a couple of media members come to me after interviews and be like, Hey man, you said like these couple things and those would be really juicy comments and my editor is going to want to put those in. Are you okay with those going in there? Uh, Cause if you're not, I'll just take them out. I'll say, no, we won't put it in there. I appreciate the relationship with that we have. I appreciate you giving me honest interaction. I want to protect that. So are you okay with putting that in there? And then I at least have the choice of saying yes or no. Right. You know? But just those, those steps, showing the player that you're not trying to get them, you're trying to work hand in hand. Uh, and then just, you know, it's not really, it doesn't really fall in the media, but just the education of teaching players how media can be useful and how you can uh, utilize that resource to elevate what you're trying to do. And I think this is something that agencies can do a, a much better job of something that Rachel's done a really good job of with me. I used to be on social media. I just, I was just myself. I didn't really care about anything. I was just joking around and things would get taken out of context or they wouldn't understand my sense of humor, but I just didn't right. care about it. I'm like, yeah. well, if you don't get it, you don't get it. And then, you know, Rachel's done a really good job of explaining like, yeah, that's fine. You can be authentic, but have a purpose of what you're doing yeah. and have a reason for what you're saying. Try, try to go somewhere. Don't just be floating in the wind. That was, that was the biggest thing that we kind of talked about too, was how everything you do, I mean, you have this mechanical engineer mindset, the way you train, the way you eat, the way you sleep, everything, there's a purpose for why you do it. And then 
Twitter was the one place that it was just like, <laughs> you talked out of your ass. Like you, there was no thought or no purpose for it. And I was like, why? I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it's not on brand with you. It, you would think that you would think things through more and have a reason for saying things. And you can be like that if you're just Joe Schmo and you have no purpose in life. Really. It sucks. That like sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I I get it. Like I, I just sometimes just want to tweet the weirdest shit just because I have a weird mind. And I feel I, like you do kind of though. I know. Imagine that times 10. Like I, I'm literally, I get in trouble constantly just cause like, it's just, I don't know. It's like, Oh, you have to be careful cause you're a member of the public. And I'm like, I'm literally not like, I just, all I do is, is write about ba- Like it's not, I don't feel like I'm anything, but you, I hate that I have to hold myself back yeah. from myself 100% so yeah so two things on that one I don't feel like I'm anybody special either I'm just a guy and I use Twitter like everybody else and Instagram like everybody else and I think just like everybody else in certain ways you know and so I just never viewed it as oh I should have to change how I interact and be different than how all these other people interact because I'm because 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 of my job that didn't seem to make sense to me but also because you have this plot, like, so what happened, what would always happen is you would respond. I mean, you would get, I mean, hundreds and sometimes thousands of just like hate tweets, right? Um, you know, especially after a bad start or something, and you would just respond to some of them and you would outwit them. And because it was kind of, I mean, sometimes you were just mad, like, why would you say something like that? And then sometimes you would just like outwit them or make them look stupid. But you are always the bad guy because you have this massive platform. And what happens is nobody sees the hundreds or thousands of tweets that are really mean that you're getting. Nobody sees them because these people that are tweeting them have like six followers or sometimes none. And they just have like an egg for their profile picture. But when you respond to them and make them look dumb, you just made them look dumb on a platform with hundreds of thousands of followers. And you just put them on blast to the world. So now you're the bad guy. Yeah, sometimes stupid people need to know that they're stupid. I'm you with know? you. But, <laughs> but, but, but this is, the, this but is my other, this is my reality. other point on this is that uh, I didn't have a purpose for what I was doing, yeah. right? There was no end goal. And so that, that engineering mindset of mine is know where you're at and know where you're wanting to go. And then you can develop a process to get there. But if I didn't have an end goal of where I was trying to go or an idea of what I was trying to accomplish, then there's no direction. There's no brand. There's no anything. It's just, oh, this is funny today, but maybe it's yeah. not funny tomorrow, or maybe this gets taken out of context. Well, I don't care, whatever. Right. You know, but as soon as there was a goal, as soon as the, I set a destination of where I was trying to go, then I can align all my actions in that direction. Yeah. And I think that's really what players are missing. There is no goal. There's no direction that they're trying to go. Yeah. I mean, that was huge for you. I think, I mean, once you realized, look, my businesses are important, having a media company, all these things was like, well, then everything you do, every action you take has, does that help you achieve your goal? If not, why are you doing it? And that was, that was a big kind of turning point for you, I think. Yeah. And yes, like even no watching, watching you, Trevor, like how you've developed this new media, not just the company, but just like what you want to consume and everything like that. So when Rachel and I were at spring training at the Momentum House and you were looking at stuff, I was genuinely like, oh my God, I hope he likes it. Oh my God, I hope he likes it. Because I, I really admire what you look for as far as content goes only because I have, I'm a content producer. That's my entire job. And so I'm trying to make sure that I don't F anything up. So I guess like for me, cause we're, we're at a weird age where we lived at one point without cell phones. And as a point, like the younger players came out of the fetus with a cell phone, with an iPhone in their hand. So they know media so well. So how do we get on the good sides of the young players while the veterans are saying, just be careful with the media, but also you have this platform, you know how to use all of it. How do we find that balance to where everybody's happy? Yeah, I think the authenticity is is huge. Uh, just as far as what content does well, it doesn't necessarily matter the quality of the what it was filmed on or whatever, you know, it's just about people being people and drawing that connection between people that are fans and people that are players on a people to people basis. Mm-hmm. 
connecting fans and players on a human level. That's what momentum is designed to do. As far as gaining the trust and, and understanding, I think it's, I think it's uh, education, one. That's not really on the media to do that, but it's education. It's a culture shift that needs to happen where veteran, veterans aren't telling the young guys, hey, don't do this. They're saying, hey, if you're going to do this, do it this way. Uh, and then I think on the media side, understanding new technologies and staying current and um, really trying to, to learn and understand what young people are consuming and what the new generations are looking for and where their interests are. Yeah. For instance, like no one really reads anymore. I mean, some people read, but young kids, 18 year olds, 20 year olds, you know, uh, a young kid in the big leagues, 22, 23 years old. He's not going and reading the local newspaper. In the I stopped morning. reading after he's, law school. Yeah, he's scrolling Instagram to get yeah. short little bites. He's looking at Twitter for 140 characters. He's on Snapchat watching stories, he, whatever it is. And so finding ways to engage on those platforms and do things that are, you know, um, interesting on those platforms because that's where the young people are. For instance, you can go and you can ask someone questions to write an article. Right. But if you instead ask them, hey, we're going to do a, a 15 second video for my Snapchat story. We're going to do this. Players are like, oh, yeah, I know yeah. Snapchat. Right. That's cool. I've never heard a reporter talk about Snapchat before. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, because you, you, you end up where they're at in the media space. And I think that's super important. But the vast majority of media members are they don't try to learn. They don't try to do anything new certain reporters in in cleveland have been doing the exact same thing for 30 40 years and well bashed heads with mlb uh I, mlb just decided to do something somewhat new and you uh hmm. you definitely <laughs> yeah poke poke the bear there I loved it it was amazing yeah ML, mlb originals that we've been watching on momentum for the last two years and finally decided to try it ourselves yeah, same with mike duck yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Two years ago in spring training, we did the mic'd up video. Everybody loved it. They immediately shut us down and then took them a year to figure out that, oh, we should do that. And then they just did it all in spring training this year. Listen, my mom and dad growing up told me that flattery is, no, I'm, uh -oh. I'm already drunk. <laughs> that imitation, <laughs> that imitation is, is flattery. Yes. Thank you. There's a lot of girls that follow me on Twitter that literally tweet the same shit that I do. And it's cute at first, but at, then it's like, fucking stop. Yeah. yeah. No but one's no. tweet. Yeah. No one's copying me yet on t my Twitter game, but one you'll day. get there. My, no, I, uh, and I did notice that you quote tweeted, and and it was a uh, kind of a shot. You're like, interesting. It's like they're doing all the shit we told them to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, that's that's exactly and, it. And I've been having this conversation. And, shit, and people are eating chicken wings, and that's successful. Like on, it's like let's hang out and like watch a game and talk about it and all this other stuff. And I feel like that's the stuff that people want to pay attention to. People want that's to know that, yeah, that there's a human behind that, behind the Jersey. I mean, you have the Yankees that don't even put, you know, the name on the back of the Jersey. It's, you are a Yankee. You're not, you know, Brett Gardner. You're not Aaron judge. You're, you know, you're just a player for the Yankees and yeah. younger people and this, I think the reality is like nowadays you don't have players staying their whole careers with one team and you don't have cities where, I mean, with social media, you can access, I mean, it's hard with baseball, but you can in theory access any team in any city, right? So you don't have to live there. So you can just like fans and, and the NBA does it really well. Like you want to be fans of LeBron James. You're not yeah. a fan. You're a fan of the Cavs when he's with the Cavs. You're a fan of the Lakers when he goes to the Lakers because you're a fan of LeBron. And like, because he has this personality, this persona. And that's the problem is like baseball doesn't have that. I mean, oh, yeah. pop culture is huge there. Yeah. Like I'm always like, what is he wearing? Yeah. Like, all this other stuff. Like fashion. <laughs> but like, once LeBron's wearing like those shorts. Or yeah. Is he wearing a purse? Like, let's go. Like Merce. I want all that. Merce. Yeah, all that stuff. And I but, want that to happen in MLB. It's just so hard to get there. Yeah. And I mean, you like nowadays. I mean, if you're in LA, how can you, it's hard to even be a Dodger fan because you can't even access their games. Apparently all of Canada, oh, Canada. now, 
Oh, they can, but Canada, Canada now, all of Canada cannot access mm -hmm. the, cannot view the one team that they have in Canada. Poor Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so Joey Votto can't watch yeah. home games? No. That's bullshit. He can't cheer That's for his bullshit. Blue Jays. Yeah. That's bullshit. I'm upset. But, I'm yeah. upset. But so at least let them on social media, like, become fans uh, of players. Yeah. And, and the only yeah, way saw, you do that is. I saw a tweet today is, about. Oh, sorry. I saw a tweet today about uh, the followership. You have 30 million NBA followers and 25 million NFL followers and 8 million MLB followers. So the, the levels are just so drastically different in the followership online. And it's that yeah. content strategy that we've been talking about. Yeah. I mean, I know engagement's up. Engagement is up. I did see that. I'm actually working on an article with that because I'm curious, but I don't know if it's because, and I think somebody brought up a good question. They don't know if fan engagement for MLB is up because this is around the time the season would yeah. start, or if it's absence makes the heart grow fonder type of deal, which is great for me. Like when baseball starts, people are going to give a shit about baseball all of a sudden. I'm like, where the fuck were you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? No, but I think it's people are at home on their phones and they're consuming any sort of content. You know, they had NHL and they had NBA. And so it was kind of getting towards the end of that season, but they've recently had it. They haven't had baseball in X amount of months. And now they don't have it again. And there's no sports going on. And so they're at home, they're on their phones. So I, I would guess that just engagement on social and all the sports leagues is up just because people are on their phones during quarantine. Mm -hmm. But I would, I would assume that baseball is probably up more because it's been the longest since it's been around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Momentum is doing a really good job at, you know, helping um, give players a personality. And, you know, especially, I, I mean, it's, it's cool to see some of the veteran guys buying in a little bit. Some are still a little hesitant. But I definitely think that, you know, we've seen the younger guys – embracing it and I mean they're a little hesitant they're like wait can I do this but the fact that it's like Trevor Bauer is an established player and he's mm -hmm. saying yeah you can because I mean they're used to it the younger guys they're like they grew up with this they're like is this allowed right. and you have now a veteran which congrats you're now I think a veteran uh <laughs> that's a Getting big moment. milestone moment for you I but certainly I, feel old enough to be one. Wait, how many years do you think consider is a, is a veteran? It was, it was it's like a discussion we had recently. It's changed drastically because uh, the the league is getting younger and younger. Right. Uh, so I have I have six years ish, uh, just less than six years. I guess we're getting service time this year, so I probably have I probably have full six years already. Uh, yeah, if you just congrats. go by the days that would have been. You're a veteran at six years, <laughs> five years. Well, see, the, the average length of a big league career is three and a half, four years. Mm -hmm. And so I guess anything past average would make you a veteran. Generally speaking, it's the free agents would be considered yeah. veterans. Yeah. Uh, but it could be, it could be depending on the clubhouse too. If you have, if, if you have 24 guys that have two years and you have one guy that's got three years, then the three-year guy is the veteran. Yeah. Right. That's and so true. as there's less and less older players, veteran age gets younger and younger. Right. You were, uh, I mean, so. when you got to Cincinnati, you still had what, like five years of service, but you were clearly a veteran there. Yeah. And, it was and a very towards the end of the time in, right. towards the end of the time in Cleveland, you know, like Mike Clevenger is a veteran in Cleveland, but he has, I think three ish years but just the team got so young so quickly because the, the older guys got more expensive. They got traded away. They weren't in the league anymore, whatever it was. And then club had been there for two or three years. He's obviously very good on the field so that he can lead from example. And then he's also just been there for longer than anybody else has on the pitching staff. So now he is yeah. veteran I think, on the pitching staff. I think we've seen, yeah, definitely a trend that veterans are going. Um, you know who I struggled with was Archie Bradley. I covered him when he was literally a prospect, the biggest prospect in baseball. And I, and I had my one-on-one -on -one with him in, in spring training. And, and I was looking at him, I was like, there's no way in hell you have at least five years in the, in the, in the league. He's like, yeah, I'm like, I, I'm not doing this. I had to leave. <laughs> it was so weird because I just remember him as this baby prospect 
And he was, of mm -hmm. course, a prospect forever because of his service here and like, you know, his, his yeah. exposure and, stuff. and talking about to him with uh, MLB Pipeline forever type of deal. So it was interesting type of situation. But I don't know, it was a really cool moment because he was, you know, I watched him play and then I was a one on one and all that other stuff. But that was yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly don't feel like a veteran, but I look around in the clubhouse and I just look at the service times. We've got, you know, Joey Votto, who's obviously been around for a long time. Uh, and then you just, you start getting to, well, who's the next guy with a lot of service time? You got Tucker Barnhart, who's been around. Um, you know, you go down the list, there's some, some guys that have been there. Uh, you know, yeah, last year you had Iglesias and... Um, there's a couple guys yeah but it's hard you struggle to get five guys that are that have more service time and I guess it's that moment when you realize like oh wait like looking around the clubhouse and like oh I guess I'm a veteran now I didn't feel it happened right. now you're old yeah yeah now I'm old you're one Great. of us Trevor. <laughs> and I'm glad you mentioned Joey Votto I'm, I won't ask about him because I don't want to have like five hours into it but he you know he's awesome um but thanks for stopping by to our podcast Trevor yeah thank you we appreciate it yeah. and keep doing yeah, what you're doing with on. content yeah, same to you. This has been fun. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Have a good one, Trev. See ya. I knew that was that would be a good interview because I feel like I can ask him on so many different questions. I've never met a, that many players. Cheers. Um, also, he totally helped us out with the drinking game. Annihilated but I can, us. I can, I can ask him questions. We can ask him questions on baseball and media, which are two of my favorite things. Yeah. And I think that's great. Um, heading into the interview, uh, we asked about what we can geek out about, geek out about, and you mentioned arbitration, which is really cool because covering it, it's the same thing. I'm just like, oh yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. But the thing that I geek out about. Yeah. What is, what, what, what is Jess Kleinschmidt geek out wait, about? Wait, what do you think I geek out about? I know you love defense. I do love like defense. defensive metrics, all of that. Which I'm, I'm right there with you, sister. Um, I very much do. I very, and I love defense so much. I feel like it's such an unappreciated part of the game, whether it's Hall of Fame, absolutely. Or that like I had a really good conversation with Brandon Crawford about that. He looked at me when I mentioned the whole metrics thing, and he was like, "I like the eye test." I'm like, "Go on." Yeah. Like I loved it. But um, I really geek out actually about ballpark factors. And okay, okay. So I, it, I do it, too. I love, I love ballpark factors. Me too. And, and I think that had a lot to do since I did cover the Reno Aces. So you want to talk about, it's basically Coors Field. Yeah. So when I had to cover the pitchers, like having talked to Anthony Bonda, who just finished an outing against, like, and I was told, I think I want to say Christian Walker or even, I can't remember what player told me that, but they, okay. They said pitching actually might've been Archie Bradley. He said pitching at court or at greater Nevada field, which is the Reno field was worse than pitching at cores. And imagine that you don't think you can get worse than cores. I mean, that's a big statement. It is a big statement. So you're thinking about that from, so from somebody who's covering the game, you go on the defensive side and they're like, no, I don't want to talk to you. The offensive side, like, let's go. Let me tell you, yeah. I went three for four. I hit yeah. seven bombs. Let's go. And that was really cool for me. So uh, when I was covering fantasy baseball, that's the cool part. I actually am, am published in a book talking about the defensive game or the there you go. ballpark factors. And the reason why I liked it is because people don't, it's the one sport that you can geek out about. NBA, you're inside. NFL, you're going to play no matter what. Mm -hmm. But MLB, you're like, how's the weather? How is yeah. the green layer? How is, um, you know, this, the, the batter versus pitcher thing. And how does he do at this field and yeah. the way splits and stuff like that. I love that. Show. Yeah. Be because I, I mean, you also have the fact that, you know, some guy, if it has a, a, a short left, right. He just might be a hitter that really thrives in that area. And when you, right. I mean, when you're negotiating contracts too, it's the same thing though, because you want to find a ballpark and a team for a, your player where his home park, he's going to thrive or, and you think about the fact that, you know, the division division he's playing in, you want, I mean, again, it can't be the 
you know, end all be all, but you think about the fact, the park factors of the different division or of that division and, you know, do they tend to be more favorable to your player or not? And that stuff matters and it matters in the hall of fame. I mean, I think it's changing now, but we don't, you know, it's hard for guys who play at cores. I mean, look at Charlie Blackman. Like, you know, he's a Larry Walker. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Larry Walker. Yeah. But I think advanced stats are helping that. And you have ballpark factors now that are really helping, you know, they're, they're helping us view it in a more, you know, objective mm-hmm. kind of lens. But it's an interesting it's definitely like it's an interesting topic and and even the fact that when they leave that ballpark because they're used if that's their home park right mm-hmm. they get a they get accustomed to it um you know even the elevation at Coors Field when they leave it's hard you know they have to making that adjustment people think that just because now that they're not playing at Coors they should be hitting a million home runs right if they're a hitter or something but or, or they shouldn't be hitting them but sometimes it's like that adjustment that makes it worse I mean, the, the having to well, make that adjustment and then make the adjustment back to how they hit at cores. What's make, the, the, what's your favorite p- ballpark you've ever been to? Ooh, I, I would say, I mean, people are going to say I'm biased, but definitely is it Oracle now? I mean, AT&T. I am hundred percent. I'm right there with you. Okay. Yeah, Oracle Park. So, so I, cause I grew up a Giants fan. I'm from NorCal, but people, you kind of shaded me. You shaded me a little bit during spring training. You said that you were a Giants fan. You were kind of like, oh, Oh, yes, I'm the classy. So, because, so let me tell you as a NorCal person growing up. So you have the classier, it tended, like there was this view that the classier fans rooted for the Giants and the 49ers and the less classy fans were with, they rooted for it, yeah. Totally fine. So it's weird for me because people are always like people bash on the Coliseum constantly, and that's fine. It's horrible. It's not. That is my least favorite ballpark. Yeah. So my favorite ballpark is Oracle, and it's just like so pretty. It's and even from like a media perspective, it's one of the few places where you can like look out on the field. But I did love Petco. I love Petco. So listen, Petco is up there for me. the Mariners, which is T-Mobile now, um, that one is up there. I'm a huge fan of Rogers Center in Toronto. Okay, I, I've never been. So many people like hate on it. Um, the I, they don't like the indoor. I, I don't know. I think really? it's amazing. You can see the what is it? Cian? How do you? Say, I don't even. I'm gonna sound so ignorant. Not knowing the Cian's the tower. Oh, I don't know what that is. Okay. So you're worse than me, but yeah, you can see it when you look up, it's right there. It, it's, I think it's so cool. Um, Kansas city. Uh, I never went in, but the outside is gorgeous. Kaufman is really cool. It's in the middle of nowhere though. So you I like those places though, but, but you have to drop, like, that's what I loved about Roger center was like, you could stay, I mean, your hotel, you could literally walk across the street and it was there. You can, I mean, if you want to stay at, uh, at a scary, like, place, you could stay right by Kaufman. But other than that, I don't think there's anything near. It's, it's like, in the middle of nowhere right off the freeway. What about um, a place that's, like, hosted good memories? Because believe it or not, that's where, oh, the Coliseum is for me. So many memories. And, I mean, not just career memories, but, like, my first baseball MLB game. Oracle, though, hosted some cool memories, too. Uh, Petco actually hosted some good memories. But I've only been to, like, five stadiums, actually. Are you serious? Yeah. I think I have, like... I'll travel with the guys. I have, like, seven more stadiums to go to, and I've been to all of them. But, yeah. but okay. I do want to go to a great American, and I'm not just being biased because I no, love the no. Votto. I heard opening day for the Reds is insane. Yeah. Also, they have really comfortable seats. They're like cushioned. All I don't know if it's just the family. But section. I also love the Midwest too. Yeah. So that's like the central is the one. That was the one Maybe area. Midwest boy. We'll work on that for you. Yeah. I Joey Votto. No. So here's the thing. People love to think that I'm in love with him, but I'm not. Oh. Okay. And 
he's just my hero. I genuinely want to be him when I grow up. I heard an interview or I read something that when he's done with baseball, he wants to be a bus driver. Yeah, that's true. Um, and you know, what's weird is he, he's my favorite because you want to talk about not trusting the media at the very beginning. He hated talking to the media, but he's opened up a lot more. So that's the thing. I love that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you got to start getting to some more ballparks. I'm trying to, I, do. I definitely do. I, I'm trying to cross them off, um, cross them off, all of them off my list, but also Atlanta, by the way, the new ballpark. Oh, Turner. In, in oh, wait, SunTrust. 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 Incredible. Yeah. It has like a whole city around it. I will say though. I love Atlanta. I yeah. love Atlanta. I went, that was actually, so when Bauer got traded, um, his, the first game, the first series that he met up with the Reds was in Atlanta. And so I went to that series, um, helped him do the move. But uh, that ballpark, um, we should get Peter Moylan on this pod too. He would totally do it. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. I just, I, I like an Australian accent. That's bad. <clears throat> I do too. All right. That was we a horrible Australian up. accent. Yeah. It's not great at all. Gotta My, work on I'm that. good at accents. I'm good at starting accents, but I can never finish them. That's, that's the key. I mean, that's the most important. You gotta be able to finish. I know, but you've seen like the, I don't know. It's fine. Well, I still love we you. had our first podcast we did i'm i'm slightly tipsy and and i need to call you because i didn't drink or your youtube name rage right so yeah fun fact my uh i want to call you chalupa batman though okay i mean you can um my name is rachel luba and youtube subtitles when they just auto subtitle it they write it as ray chalupa so, Rachel Lupa. So and I'm so upset I never like knew that. I, I just found, somebody pointed it out to us and we I mean the whole momentum house has fully embraced it and now my name is like Chalupa. But um I yes. could almost cry because it makes me think when I fell in love with the show, the league and No, I know Chalupa <laughs> Yeah. I by the I uh I gave away the naming rights to my firstborn's middle middle name and my youngest brother uh, to him. I by the way, and I, there's a contract. Oh, okay. No, no, but there's a contract written and everything, and he's that's not smart. messing around. So um, he I, that's, family lawyers. I get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm the only lawyer in it. But like, yes. Oh, yeah. But this was before law. This was like I think I was in college at this point because in my contracts class in law school, one of the first so things. So, okay, so, well, no, that's smart, but, like, what happened? Uh, like, how, how I gave away my rights, the naming rights? Yeah. Uh, it's gonna sound bad, so sorry to my future child, but my youngest brother, he, uh, for prom, our high school does, um, they put together an after prom so that kids don't go do something stupid, and they, it's this lavish thing at the Pebble Beach Resort, and they auction away Tiffany, like jewelry and like probably a car. So yeah. And then a coat, there was a coach bag. So, I so, Marino. I yeah. can't. <laughs> so Joey won a coach bag and I came home from college and I saw it and I was like, Oh, can I have that? I, I mean, I, I assumed like I can have that. Right. My mom doesn't really like purse it. Like she's very specific. So right, right. I, I'm the only girl, all brothers. He was yeah. like, well, no, I mean, I'll probably, I was like, what are you going to do with it? And he's like, well, I don't know. I could auction on eBay. And I was like, that's rude. Like I'm your sister and I want it. So why would you not just give that to me? He's like, I don't know. So he was like, fine. If I give this to you, what do I get in return? I was like, I don't know. Like, what do you want? I was like, I'm not paying for it. Cause you got it for free. And he's like, fine. I want the, the middle name naming rights to your firstborn. And at the time I was just like, I really wanted this coach purse. So I said, okay. And we wrote up a contract and then in contract law class in law school, I literally, we got to the course or the topic of, uh, infancy which is basically this theory in that if you sign a contract underage that it's technically void it does okay. right so the second i 
like that topic was brought up by my professor, I turned to my ex at the time and I look at him and he knew the story from before, but I had told him probably like months before that. And I turned to him and he literally just looks at me. He goes, you cannot get out of your coach and naming rights contract for whatever. He knew exactly what I was thinking when I heard, I was like, the second my professor said it, I was like, a light went off. I was like, maybe I can get out of my contract. My ex was like, no, 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 no. Because it, it would only be if, because he wasn't, it's voidable. And because he's underage, he doesn't have to avoid it if he doesn't right. want. So either way, the only, the way I can legally, by the way, get out of it is I would just have to um, give him the value of that purse. I would have to pay him the amount or give him okay. a purse of that value. And then technically I can get out of it. But the way it relates back to Chalupa is because he's always like joked around and with the league and all that, yeah. how he wants to name He's, he's come up with, obviously he said Chalupa, but then also he just comes up with random sounds. He goes, I'm going to name okay. your, like, it's going to be like, Rura, like Rura. Jeff Rura something. And okay. it's, it's awful. And he's just looking forward to like their high school graduation where they call it the kid's name and he has to go across the stage. Yeah. And it's like that moment that he's living for. I'm gonna video. We should talk about baby names because I all I have a good thing on baby names. Okay, but yes. we're gonna wrap it up. But yes. no, it's actually kind of funny because I have a really I have many stories about yes. not only baby names, but I recently got catfished, and we're gonna talk about that on the next episode because I feel like that's important. Because who has time to corn like catfish during quarantine? Apparently, somebody a does. lot of. Are you kidding? That's prime time to catfish. I honestly am realizing that. And but it's fun. It should make you feel better because anyone who catfishes someone is probably like pathetic. And <laughs> they only I literally work in media. What are you doing? But they catfish people that are way above their league. So mm -hmm. there you go. You should not be offended. You should be flattered. Well, good first episode. Yes. Cheers to that and to not saying players. If you, if you want to send in a suggestion for our wine word for next week, let us know. I'm excited to figure out who our next guest will be too. And that'll be fun. Yes. And we're going to dig into our DMs. So stay tuned to that too. Yeah. Maybe send us some. Please don't. We get enough already. Peace.